0: Who are you today? Is that great because I'm leaving? Let's be honest, all right? I know. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, I don't know how many jokes are going to be here today. Probably going to be some tears. I've already shed some tears. I'm letting you know ahead of time, I'm an ugly crier. And uh, so if it, if I just have a meltdown up here, just stop and pray, have a moment of silence or leave. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Literally, like I am, I am like the ugliest of criers. So if I start crying, I'm not going to be able to talk. Somebody say amen if I have a short message today. I don't know. Um, and that, After, if it's short. Um, but hey, before we get into the word of God, because ultimately, um, those of us who follow Jesus, we need to hear from God's word this morning. Amen? amen. So despite and in, in spite of everything else that's going on, we need to get into God's word. But I just want to just pay honor for all of my fellow Miami Dolphins fans that are here this morning. This, mean, this means a lot. Give it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Way to go all out for our team. You know, as a pastor, you know, I pray about the type of influence that I would have over a span of ministry. And then there's some things that just creep up on you and like you don't realize the the impact that you have even changing people's minds and turning them to good teams. So that's amazing. Praise God for that. So, hey, I, I do. I just want you to know that I feel just the warmth of your love. Thank you so much for wearing all that stuff. I know some of you are suffering. Some of you probably burn it later and put a video and tag me in it. I get it, but I'm just, you know, in this moment, I really just want to say thank you. I really do feel your love, and I really feel cared for more than what my words can say. I want us to start this morning in 2 Kings 2. We're going to go through and read the first 18 verses of chapter 2, but I want to tell you how I actually came to get to this passage. So somewhere in in the line of the candidation process of uh, the things that are happening at Calvary, somewhere along the line, God just told me to pay attention to this passage. I have never preached this passage here, and I didn't even fully know all of it. I hadn't studied it out like I had how I eventually did. So I, I just knew that the Lord said, hey, if you're, if you're going to leave the pastorate here and, and change your assignment to the pastorate at Calvary, this is the passage that you need to preach. Some of this will be really obvious uh, just as we look at the transition that happens here in the ministry of Elijah and Elisha, but as the transition, some of that's going to be really obvious but some of the things that weren't as obvious to me until I studied it is what's really happening beneath the surface of this passage, and I think all of this just adds just depth and breadth into what we're all experiencing here at DBC, but then also as we look at the Word of God, and I think that and believe that the Word of God is going to speak so richly and deeply into you as you press into this story that's probably unfamiliar for a lot of you. So let's jump into this passage in chapter 2, verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophet's at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. When Elisha, Elijah, excuse me, here, yeah, by the way, let's stop here for, I'm going to stop right here at, at verse three. I, I so wanted to like change one of their names to Bob so it'd be easier for me to read. <laughs> Um, so if I get these mixed up, just know that you probably would too. And if I call one of them, Bob, you'll know that that's running in the back of my mind. So let's go back into verse four. When Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets of Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Verse seven. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it, the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Bob, just seeing if you're paying attention, it's Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you Because uh, before I'm taken from you? He says one of the most profound things at the end of verse 9. He says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You've asked a difficult thing. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. When he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Look, we, your servants, have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and sent him down on some mountain or in some valley. No, do not send them. But they persisted until he too was ashamed to refuse. He said, send them. And they sent 50 men who searched for three days but did not find him. When they returned to Elisha, who was staying in Jericho, he said to them, didn't I tell you not to go? This is a, a great example of a transition in leadership, but even more so, you see just this, this great example of the faithfulness of God. And I want you to know that though I've had some responsibilities here at the church and I've had the privilege of leading this church for 11 and a half years and I've had the honor of of officiating several of your weddings and and and... Just being there right after the birth of your child, sometimes being the first to let the world know what your child looks like. I've done that too, unfortunately, on Facebook. uh, Kenrick and Jules, sorry about that. It happened. It just happened. I didn't know the rules. I know the rules now, and we learn together on that one. But I've had the honor of being a part of uh, a lot of different significant things over the span of these these years, and as I followed Jesus, and I wanted, to, I wanted to lead in the way that He would want me to lead, and in that, He allowed me to have influence over many of your lives, and of that, I consider that a profound honor to be assigned this post and this pulpit to be able to speak truth into you, to speak God's Word to you, but I want you to know, first and foremost, I would be nothing, and I could do nothing outside of the faithfulness of God. And the same is true of you. And the same is true of Elijah. Now, the transition to Elisha. Over the span of these years, we've seen many souls saved. We've seen baptisms. We've seen baptisms in ponds and pools until we eventually bought a baptism or baptismal that we can baptize here and enjoy that in this area. We've seen all sorts of changes, the way that the place looks. We've seen the change in people coming and going for a bunch of different reasons. We've seen a student ministry that was failing and flailing now to become vibrant and whole under great leadership and a great team. We've seen a kids ministry, and many of you, I thought about you even this morning, several of you have led the kids ministry in one fast or another, or you've taken part in kids ministry, or you've served in kids ministry. And the kids' ministry is strong today because of difference makers like you. God works through his people. We've also seen through the span of these years several of you who were, who were just workers and servants then becoming leaders. Some of you very reluctantly. But as you've trusted Christ, Christ has, has done a work in you and he's given you the, the opportunity to lead. Of which this church is going to be stronger with the vacancy of the pastorate because of what God has done in you, inspiring you to change and to grow and to lead in the way that he's made you to. I was thinking about this through some conversations also this week, and I was thinking about what the church looked like 11 years ago, and this was not an indictment on, on the, the leadership of the church. I love the leadership of this church. It's been, it's been a great journey Sometimes difficult, but it's been a great journey in leading and leading together with the leadership here at the church. But one of the things that I've seen is I've seen that, that the church go from, in these 11 and a half years, I've seen this, this smaller group of people, and much smaller than what's here today, a smaller group of people to go from a Bible study mentality into a church lifestyle. And that, again, is the faithfulness of God. It's people... Interacting with the Spirit of God and and committing to God and God doing a work in you and then you availing your life to someone else so that the church could become a vibrant community. That the church could be uh, this group of people who step in when there's a need without being told that there's a need, just moving and meeting that need. People who are sharing their faith in public, again, because... God inspired the change in you to do what it is that he led you to do in that moment. And you've learned how to be a church. You've learned how to be a church. And we're learning how to be a better one. Amen? We've also seen through the span of these years financial struggles. What a lot of you don't know is when in in these years when I came to the church, we had some money in the bank, but we didn't have people in the seats. And we knew that there was going to be a transition of that. And we saw financially, we saw the general fund go from, I don't know what the amount was, but I would say tens of thousands of dollars and then down to, I I believe the number is $83 in the main account. We had some money set aside in in a building fund, but $83 in the main account and believing that God was gonna turn it around, that God was gonna turn it around, that God is faithful to his promises. And God turned it around to where now we're actually stronger financially than I think we've ever been. And now we just don't have $83 in the checking account, in the main account. We have 84 so we're going places. <laughs> but again, this is God's faithfulness showing out and God working in his people, causing them to be faithful. What we see in, in this passage of just transition of, of ministry from Elijah, to Elisha is is simply this, that God places leaders where they need to be when they need to be there. God places leaders where they need to be when they need to be there. I want to give you the hope and the reality and truth of this. God already knows who is going to fill this pulpit when I'm not here. God not only knows, but he also knows that that individual is going to be exactly what you need to go forward. And I, I want you to know this. As leaders in this church, to the leaders specifically, I want you to know that it's okay to dream again. AJ reminded me of that this week for myself. These last several years have been really hard on me, and I haven't been, I haven't been dreaming And A.J., give me this word of encouragement and I give it to you. It's okay to dream again. It's even okay to be excited about what God's going to do next. Feel what you need to feel. Think what you need to think. Say what you need to say. And allow those things to, to pass. And then also start dreaming and start believing and have an optimistic view of the future because Jesus has an optimistic view of the future as he is the hope of the world. Elijah and Elisha, prime example that God places leaders where they need to be, when they need to be there. What's interesting about these two characters from the Old Testament is we don't know a whole lot about Elijah, but what we do know is his his role was one of confrontation. He He confronted Ahab on multiple occasions. He confronted Jezebel on multiple occasions. He was the one who was sent to really confront a lot of the kings. He was a confrontational prophet. If you were to go into into what happens after 2 Kings 2 and you were to do a little deeper dive into Elisha's ministry, you see that he's not as confrontational. He's more of a compassionate leader, he's more compassionate. So they weren't, they weren't carbon copies. They weren't mirrors of themselves. They weren't the same leader. It, although that Elijah had poured into Elisha for 10 years, that's how long the discipleship process was for Elisha, by the way, was 10 years. Although it was 10 years, he was his own person, and God allowed him to lead in the way that he was supposed to lead. That he wasn't as confrontational, and yet he was compassionate. The stakes of, of following Jesus are always high. The, the stakes and in, in the, the cost of following Jesus is always high. When you give your life to Christ, he inevitably will put you in uncomfortable places. It's in those uncomfortable places that you grow the most and you rely on him the most and the two things are connected. What's again profound about this these two particular people is when Elijah asked Elisha to follow him, Elisha was a successful farmer. He was successful. He had a lot of things. And although he was asked in that moment, he he was asked, hey, basically to follow after him to be his, his successor. Although that happened, Elisha had a bold request back to Elijah. And he asked him, he said, is it okay if I go back and kiss my mother and father goodbye? Elijah says yes. And when Elisha, also known as Bob today, when he goes back, he not only says goodbye to the people he needs to say goodbye to, but he also slaughters all of his livestock, his, his herd that he had. He slaughtered them, and he, he cooked them. And what he used to, to build the fire was all of the farm implements that he used as a farmer. Why is that important? That's important because Elisha is saying goodbye to his old life, and he has, to, he has to turn away from all of the security that would have been from farming to say yes to God. So after he cooks the food, he actually feeds everyone around him. So it isn't just like this, some pointless act, he feeds everyone we don't see this in the scripture, but in some ways, I think this is, this is almost a celebration for them. Because coming together for food, we see no implication that it was a place of mourning but yet, or, or celebration in the passage. But in my mind, that's what I think. It's like he just says, yes, I'm leaving, but we're just going to enjoy this food before I go. This time of celebration and coming together. But he does go. He counts the cost, but I want you to know that Elisha was all in. We see this in Luke 10, 1 through 4, when Jesus sends out the 72 to go do ministry. And he tells him, don't take anything extra. Just go out and do ministry. Go with the spirit that I've given you. He's teaching them to be dependent on God. This is the same message that you would find in either Luke 8.23 or Mark 8.34. Some of the familiar passages that talks about taking up your cross and following Christ. There's a cost to obedience. The cost of, of our obedience is to leave a church family that we love. To be reassigned to another church family. And that's a cost that we all have to endure. Because I've shed tears already. I know many of you have shed tears already. There's a cost of following Jesus. But it's worth it. Not only did Elijah, he he served under Elijah's leadership for 10 years. Elisha had a ministry of 50 years of his own. So I believe that Elijah would have said, That his investment was good. If he would know of the impact in 50 years of ministry. What I've been praying for about about you as a church. Is that any investment that I've made in you. Or that Marla has made in you. That that would bear so much fruit. That you would continue to trust Jesus that you would trust in his faithfulness and and that you would be spurred to more faithfulness, faithfulness on your own. These days aren't easy, but God is always good. In this passage again, it says in verse 2, Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. So now they're, they're having these, these conversations as they're traveling along, and they go from Bethel to Jericho to Gilgal by the Jordan. And, and you, it's clear to see that Elijah did not want to say goodbye to Elijah. Most scholars believe that Elijah knew that his days were numbered and that Elijah just wanted to be off by himself in some solitude and spending time with God. But the word tells us that Elisha, also known as Bob today, knew that Elijah was going to be leaving him, so he wanted to spend every waking moment that he could. Although those days and those minutes and those hours were numbered. What I feel so inspired by when I look at this passage is, is you see the humanity of these two men. In moments like this, we need some humanity, don't we? We need to be able to think what we need to think and feel what we need to feel and say what we need to say. Not only do we see that, but also we see Elisha asking Elijah for a double portion of his spirit that Elisha asked for a double portion of his spirit. I I can't give you all the verses. You can look this up on your own. But what's interesting and and what I I find so gratifying about this is this isn't just some flippant phrase that Elisha says. Because in the scriptures, it's recorded nearly double that there's nearly double the miracles performed by Elisha than by Elijah. God is faithful. When he had asked for a double portion, God honored that double portion and allowing him now scripturally to be able to, to read for ourselves to see that even in that there were perhaps double the miracles performed because he asked for it. But he asked for it because he wanted because Elisha knew that he was partnering with God. I'll summarize it by saying this. Elisha saw more in life than most people because he recognized that with God there's more to life. He saw more in life than most people because he recognized that with God there's more to life. What, e- what Elisha was asking for was not just success, he was not asking for fame, he was not asking for popularity. Instead, he was saying, I want to be used of God in a significant way, and I am bold enough to ask for it. Are you, church, are you bold enough to ask God, to say, God, I want to, I want to be used by you in a significant way? God, I want, to, I want to feel your presence, and I want to live a faithful life for you. Elisha saw more in life than most people because he recognized that with God there's more to life. Remember, he, he left farming, of which he was doing well, and a faith walk of things that he was comfortable, burning his implements, feeding the people off of, of his herd, knowing that, that was, that's what was required in that moment so he could live a life committed to God. And we know, of course, that he did. There's a couple other things here. Now I'm going to be through, but uh, there, there are different times in this passage that you see that, that Elisha is reminded over and over and over, don't you know that your master is going to leave today? And Elisha's response is, yes, but don't speak of it. But don't speak of it. If I could give you some pastoral words of advice, it's, it's okay to be sad if you feel sad. It's okay. God gave you feelings for a reason. Elisha... He knows that this moment of grief is coming and and although that God has sought to it that these other prophets are reminding him over and over and over, don't you know that your master's leaving today? His response is yes, but don't speak of it. In other words, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be confronted with the truth. But he was confronted in a significant way, wasn't he? Because his leader was taken up in a whirlwind right in front of his eyes. That he got to see what God wanted him to see. And yet one, one of the great things about it is he was persistent to continue following after even knowing that this was going on. And I want to end with a couple words and I want to end with one more thing on the screen. something for you to all look for, something for all of you to pray about. Some of you need to embody this. It's simply this, an effective leader learns from the previous leader and builds upon their accomplishments. This is exactly what we see in this passage with Elijah passing the mantle of leadership onto Elisha. honoring the man of God that he was, and then taking the ministry further. I think that's such a great picture as to what's going to happen at this church, and I can't wait for the, the testimony to come from this church, what happens in the near future. Pastoral Search Committee is formed, having great conversations under strong leadership, of which I'm, I'm proud that Austin is leading that team. That team and this church is in good hands. But an effective leader learns from a previous leader and builds upon their accomplishments. You're about to step into, as a church, you're about to step into a season that God is going to continue to refine you. This season is a season that you need to double down and pray more than what you've been praying that you need to be in the Word of God more probably than what you have been in the Word of God, that you need to commit to being here with the rest of the believers probably more than what you've previously committed to being here with the rest of the believers. This is a season that you need to pray for the leadership and those who are making high-level important decisions within the church. And I also ask that that you would pray for us, I believe that I'm, I'm potentially walking into a whirlwind of my own, of which I don't even know much about. When God started to stir all of this, initially, it was it, the answer was no, because I thought about you. Because from my heart to yours, we've done some amazing things. We've seen God do some amazing things through us and in us and around us. But the longer that the conversations were going on about what was happening in Illinois, the more I realized that I needed to start paying attention to maybe God's reassigning of me into pastoring that church. I'm not mad. I'm not unhappy. I'm not disgruntled. Quite the contrary, I love you and I like you, that too.